Welcome to The Vinyl Preacher, your weekly podcast where we talk about the Bible and make a playlist of music. I'm Matt Gittle, pastor at St. Mark's Lutheran Church here in the City of Angels, California, USA. And I'm Zach Barris. I'm the pastor of Lutheran Campus Ministry here at the University of Colorado Boulder. Established in 1876 on our country's centennial, which is a terrible nickname centennial, for a state. Centennial state. I don't like it. We, there's so much. We've got so much to offer. Okay, as a state. I mean, maybe that was the idea behind it, Matt. I don't know. Maybe we were downplaying, like, don't come here because it's boring, right? It's just centennial. Uh, you know, centennial state seems like the name that like Nevada or Idaho would have. You know, like we don't got much going on, so let's just go with a number. Nevada, I believe, Silver State? The Silver State? That sounds right. Maybe. Yeah. California's the Golden State, which is such a good nickname. They named an NBA team after. I noticed your team is not the Centennial State Nuggets. Oh, it's the the Nuggets, home of NBA MVP Nikola Jokic. (laughs) He is so good. I don't get to watch him because of local broadcasting issues. Mm, Um, Yeah. Which is awesome, but... He's going to win the MVP. <laughs> and I didn't see him play this year. Incredible. Did you know the, uh, your weather? the, the Denver nice. Nuggets, Matt? Yeah. Uh, is this another episode of Let's Talk NBA Jam? Um, yeah, it is. Uh, you know, the, NBA, the, the Denver Nuggets actually started off life as the Denver Rockets. The Denver Rockets? What? Independently, because of the strong aerospace industry ties uh, to here to Colorado. Of course, um, NORAD. Uh, the Air Force Academy, all those sorts of folks uh, have offices here. When you uh, Santa Tracker, you know the the government agency that to talk that lets you know where Santa Claus is at on Christmas Eve, based in Colorado. And then they changed the name to the Nuggets because Houston also sprung up independently as the Rockets. It wasn't a, a moving thing. Wow! Wow's the right response. Incredible. <laughs> incredible. Speaking of incredible, Matt, you missed out on a whirlwind experience last weekend that I like to call Senate Assembly on Zoom. Ooh. And I make a real point of emphasis to say we had virtual Senate Assembly because uh, there's some among us who really like to say it's not virtual, it's digital. But uh, as we've covered repeatedly on this podcast, digitization is also an approximation of the real thing. So that doesn't make any difference. Regardless, Matt, I went. I registered on time, paid my money, and I showed up for, for, for many portions of Senate Assembly online, Matt. And wow, my life has been forever changed. <laughs> I've got a few highlights for you. Um, I started. Yeah, what were the highlights? Highlights from me. Matt, you know me. I'm a four, right? I don't believe in the Enneagram. And uh, I thought this would be fun. This was my first Zoom Senate Assembly because I did not register in time for the the last one and was not allowed to be to receive the link. But I wanted to explore the space artistically, you know, Um, and um, in Zoom Senate Assembly, you've got a chat box going. Right. Um, And uh, so let's explore that space artistically. And so I used that space on the first day to try to embarrass our friend, a friend of the podcast, Peter Severson, director of Lutheran Advocacy Ministry, Colorado. So I just kept shouting him out, like sometimes like super uh, uh, over the top earnestly. Um, Other times I would pretend like I was direct messaging him and then I forgot to make it a direct message. Uh, At one point they asked a discussion question for like, 
what are some of the things that have really shaped and molded your faith? And I said, the life and ministry of Peter Severson. Uh, so one, that was really enjoyable for me. Two, I received, and I love this, indirect communication from our officer, the bishop, that they did not appreciate my participation in the chat box and would like me to change my behavior. Um, what? My reply <laughs> you got was... scolded? That, through secondary means. That's like through back channels, right? Not directly. Uh, my response was, surely the person who told you this had some idea of how this request in this manner might affect my behavior. Because uh, it's, it's not... My response is definitely not going to be, I'll do whatever you ask. Um, yes, absolutely. I'll, I'll acquiesce to your triangulation. Uh, so, uh, yeah, no, I didn't change what I was doing, really, uh, and continued to be present. Uh, one of the fun things that happened, though, is that someone started impersonating me on Zoom, and I loved it. Man. <laughs> what? I, I may have gone... Uh, I had to leave my computer station my workstation for a little bit during one session. And when I returned, I noticed that I had been participating in the chat earnestly. And I thought that was surprising on a number of levels. One, I haven't been here in 30 minutes. And two, I'm participating earnestly. Uh, you could rename yourself in Zoom and someone renamed themselves uh, Zach Paris. And uh, <laughs> they were just participating in me. And so I, I direct messaged them. I don't know who it was. I don't, I don't need to know. I just appreciated still? it. I still don't know. I have ideas, but... Uh, but I, I appreciate it. You know, we're exploring the, the space together. Um, I, I think they may have been inspired that night. My passive aggressive response was to rename my account. This account is not endorsed by Peter Severson. Um, and finally, Matt, uh, let's give it up for all the people on Zoom uh, who kept their video on and did entertaining things, Matt, because uh, there was one... Uh, older person who was zooming on their phone and they appear to be also watching tv because they kind of had the zoom their phone definitely below their belly because their exposed belly was visible uh and they had a remote control to a tv they were like in a recliner and you could see their belly Incredible. and the remote while they were in sin assembly which is fantastic and then matt it got better right i was like this person's fantastic i love everything that this person's about and is doing and then I received a text message from a, a source, an unnamed source, who said, did you see this person's Zoom thing? And I said, no. And like, they just went to the bathroom. <laughs> they took their Zoom phone experience, sent it assembly, went to the bathroom in real life no with way. video. Um, wow, Matt. That's a March of 2021 mistake. I'm, uh, man, here we are. Here. Still happening. I wonder if they got scolded to change their behavior. <laughs> they, told, they told Peter Severson to tell me, to tell them that they... So that was great. Yeah. Though I did... Uh, we had an anniversary celebration, which was a lot of fun. Uh, and I, I'll say that earnestly because uh, our friend Adam and I co-hosted this celebration of ordination anniversaries on Friday night. We, we dressed up. We wore bow ties. Um, <laughs> there was a concert... Um, and we had fun and participated earnestly in it. Uh, and I pretended to be a DJ. It was a lot of fun. You're listening to KRMS. Uh, you know, I get to do all my radio shtick. Um, all killer, no filler. From the front porch to the back porch. Uh, from the back porch to the front porch. We're playing nothing but the hits. Coming up next, another commercial free set of hurricane-based songs. Uh, you know. Incredible. But I participated fully. That was good. Good job by me. Good job by you. Well done. 
And I was, uh, Adam and I were, were honored as uh, for the 10th anniversary of our ordination. Yeah, 10 years. Plus one. Plus one. Plus one. Because we didn't do last we year. We didn't do last oh. year. So, so we did a lot. Gotcha. I tried to sneak one joke in. I don't know if it happened because um, other people were not having as much fun as Adam and I were. And they wanted it to end promptly at the hour mark. Um, and we were told to cut the banter because... Cut the banter. Why did you ask Adam not to do something <laughs> if you wanted no banter? Um, <laughs> but I worked on this joke, Matt, so I'll, I'll say it uh, to you. Um, most of... I was a little... Most of the, the attention and the itinerary we were given, not in real life because, again, things got compressed, was, was to focus on folks who had these huge number ordination anniversaries, which are very impressive. And we had a person uh, who was celebrating this year the 70th anniversary of their ordination, Gene Brueggemann, who's local. He's in Boulder here. I know Gene. Gene's fantastic. Uh, I used to do tech study every week with Gene. He would come to tech study. He's a former campus pastor at Northwestern. Um, but lately, Gene's been a really good colleague because um, he's so old. He was a pastor during the 1918 Spanish flu. <sighs> Matt, your phone got all up on my punchline where, again, Matt walked away so he can't laugh at my joke here, that uh, Gene is not actually so old that he was a pastor in 1918. But, but that was the joke that I developed. But Matt's phone continues to ring, and perhaps it's uh, the ghost of Senate Assembly Future calling because Matt has a virtual, completely virtual, some digital Senate Assembly coming up in just a few weeks. It's true. It's true. Uh, and we have a bishop's election. Bishop's election. We had no... We elected a vice president, but that's always a person who they've... Twisted the arm into doing it. We have to elect a bishop and a vice president. Mm. So who? How, that's not a good idea, man. No idea. Not not a good. I don't one. know. I don't know what's going to happen. Hopefully, we'll elect the right person to come in and fix everything. Surely. Surely. That's how the church works. Wow. Well, well, I'm sorry that you couldn't use your 1918 joke. That's that's really sad. Right? I thought it was pretty good. I was really, really worked on it. I told all the dumb jokes I've told on here before. Actually, Matt, have I told you this? Well, we'll save it for next week's episode because we're recording a doubleheader. We need filler for next for the front end of, of next week's episode. This week, what even is this week? We like haven't recorded. We're all off. Kilter. I believe this week we are talking we about nearly uh, missed our first the liturgical week in five years, man. <laughs> I know it's true. The liturgical holiday of Mother's Day, I believe, is what it that says in the liturgy. Is liturgy and liturgy I've calendar. got some issues. I've got some issues. I've, I've got some gripes here, Matt. I, I thought Mother's Day was constricted to double-digit Sundays because I literally just heard huh. yesterday that Mother's Day is a few days from now. <laughs> Good. So pulling some things together. Yeah, got it. Got it. Got to do it. Uh, also, I believe fifth is it sixth Sunday, sixth Sunday, fifth Sunday, sixth Sunday, sixth Sunday of Easter. Six. We're almost. We're really. But, but I believe you can move the sixth Sunday of Easter to Monday because Mother's Day takes priority. Yeah, 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 yeah. That so makes sense. I think that's how. I think that's how that works. 
So I guess we'll look at the, they don't have text assigned for Mother's Day, sadly. Probably should uh, go ahead and do that. But uh, instead we'll do the sixth Sunday of Easter. Sounds good to me, Matt. You got a decent axe to work with. You some action here, I think. Yeah, do you like this one? This yeah. This one good? Uh, a reading from Max. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The circumcised believers, point of note there, who had come with Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. I wonder if you have any thoughts about that. For they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter said, Well, can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they invited him to stay for several days. <laughs> it's a short one, but it's a good, yeah, there's enough there, you know, because cause we are starting to scrape, really trying my patience with John these next two weeks. Like, because um, if we had an Acts text where nothing happened and we had more just John teachings after John teachings and nothing happened in any of the readings, I might be um, uh, not feeling that. But we get a lot. A lot happens here and it happens pretty quickly, which is which is nice. Um, uh, oh, Yeah. Um, they're echoes of last week, right? Can anyone withhold the water for baptiz- baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So that is starting to turn into a refrain. Can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people? Um, and I mean, even as I read it now, that strikes me as a really loaded uh, and rich phrase. Um because I kind of picture immediately the idea of trying to hold water, which is a thing my four-year-old, now five-year-old daughter, tries to do all the time. And I got news for you, man. You can't do it. Uh, you just make a mess. Can't freaking do it. Everywhere. And um, some people in my household are under the impression that every table is a water table, and that's not the case. Not and, true. and only no. part of our parenting team is really convinced that that's a problem. But um, Can anyone withhold the water from this table? I, I feel like I could if I really <laughs> if I had some support we could really pull back on the, the reins of this thing um, but but this idea of water is an overwhelming force um, you know if you've got your canyon stories and your uh, soil and water conservation images here um, of uh, gosh what's the word I'm looking for um when water washes dirt away. Uh, uh, gosh, where's my brain? What is that thing called? What is that? There's a English, simple English word for this concept. Erosion. <laughs> there we go. I got to erosion. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's definitely erosion of... Whatever the division here is, if there's some invisible wall that's being eroded, and it's being eroded by water, mm-hmm. you could do some interesting things uh, with that. I was also going to ask how they knew that the Holy Spirit fell upon them, and then I see here it's because they're speaking in tongues. Oh, yeah, they're all speaking in tongues. Yeah, which is always an interesting one if you're... I mean, there are Christian traditions for whom speaking in tongues is like a pretty regular thing. You know, have you ever been like, to like a Pentecostal holiness church where they speak in tongues? I have not. Have you? I've not been, um, but I knew plenty of people growing up who were who went to those went to went to churches there. Um, yeah, 
And um, and I think that, for me at least, and I, th- I think probably for other folks, the idea that Christians speak in tongues and those sort of stereotypical images that you might see on like a, I see them in my head on like Dateline VHS of, of, of what it looks like in a church are things that are stumbling blocks, turnoffs for Christianity, things not counted in the um, things to have to, in my context, explain to like rationalize, explain away for why you might be Christian because you, that's ridiculous and why would you, that's not real and all that kind of stuff, you know. Um, and, you know, these days I think I'm much more open to that practice than I, than I have been. But I wonder, preach, homiletically, preaching-wise, if there is something to reclaim here in what it means to speak in tongues. Um, perhaps it's not to say, to do um, a lot of dad talk here, but my uh, five-year-old goes to a bilingual preschool. Um, and so she can say and hear some, lots of things in Spanish now, and it's really cool. Um, but also sometimes... Uh, you know, she'll make up stuff that sounds vaguely Spanish because that's what kids do and stuff, right? Like, yeah. Um, that it, that speaking in tongues maybe is not that, right? But that it is that Christians talk about things in a way that is very difficult for the rest of the world to understand because it is so counter to the ways of the world. Um, mm. And that, that that's the kind of speaking in tongues that, that I think... I think what I'm trying to say is that preacher don't let us off the hook here for the speaking on tongues speaking in tongues thing this isn't a part of the bible you have to say well this is just like it's with the shellfish abomination things we don't have to worry about that um this is something you can use and and a call that that we are still bound to yeah and if the idea is that they're like if we're going to interpret that as like speaking counterculturally for lack of a better word then then part of the shock of it here is that, like, wait, even those people can be a part of the counterculture that we're building in this community uh, of the Holy Spirit? That's part of the shock. That's part of what's going on. I've got one more. I've got a Greek note for you, Matt, that I don't know that I did, I did a Greek dive uh, in preparation yeah. for this. Is week. this the one you posted on Facebook? I and- posted it on Facebook. I had some conversation with exactly the kinds of people that I hoped would respond to it. Um <laughs> That I'll, that I'll shout out for sure here. Um, That's the best way to uh, to figure those things out. Rather than just reaching out to those people specifically, post it on Facebook and hope that they <laughs> see it and respond. I think that's probably Well, I didn't put advice. any onus on them. You know, they got to like, I wasn't demanding <laughs> Greek exegesis from from these people who I particularly respect uh, and, and think are really smart and, and know what they're talking about, unlike my. Dear listener, I don't want you to think that I actually know Greek, um, but... <laughs> Um, I'm doing my best with internet resources. Um, uh, but Adrienne Meyer and uh, Bridget Illion came through uh, and helped me out. But it's that I was going through the Greek and I was just curious. I'd never come across it. That that, that the Gentiles get mentioned here, even on the Gentiles. And I, I read an interlinear, typically when I go through the text to prep for, for preaching and prep for the podcast. Uh, an interlinear dear listener, is uh, a version of the Bible. Um, I use Biblos is free and I find really helpful, though they don't aren't linked to the greatest uh, lexicons in the world. But 
for all, most of my intents and purposes, it, it works out great. Uh, but it has the Greek on top and it has the English underneath. Uh, and so the word order is, is not like the way you expect it to be because it's not written for English, but you get a sense of the Greek real quick. And when I was going through that, I noticed that the word that gets translated is Gentiles, capital G, as in a proper noun here, that I had always just assumed was a thing, right? That there were the Gentiles. And the original Greek is ethnos, like ethnic. And I was struck that to go from ethnos to Gentiles, capital G, proper noun, feels like a long way to go. Um, you know, most proper nouns in the Bible get translated as themselves, as the word themselves, right? Like you get the funny words like jabak or that's not Greek, but, but you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. Or Peter, right? Peter means rock, but it, we translate it as, as Peter. Um, and so ethnos to me, I was just, I don't know, Matt, maybe you can help me figure out if this is a thing or not, right? Um, Gentile is this made, uh, kind of a made-up Latin word that appears in the Vulgate, which is the Latin translation of the Bible that happened in um, 4th century CE. Vulgate is Latin, uh, 4th century CE. Um, it gets used prominent, I mean, this, and so it takes off because it's used there, and then the Vulgate is, you know, for the Roman church. Um, becomes really central to it, but it gets translated as gentilis, gentilis, um, and that turns into Gentile. And I think that's all fine and good. It, it's a parallel with the Hebrew goy, which means, which actually means stranger uh, and foreigner. And, and when it's used, I don't know how, this is super in the weeds, and I don't know if it's helpful for people preaching, right? Goy in the Hebrew, um, I am much more familiar with, is typically used as a foreigner or a person of, of little power. And typically it's spoken mm -hmm. of a person who you have a, a, a Torah responsibility to care for, a foreigner, mm -hmm. outsider. Gentiles um, here in Acts, and then, you know, Paul's got his own thing going on, um, doesn't strike me as a powerless people that you have to be kind and merciful to. Um but they both get translated as, as gentilis and become gentile in in the Latin and then into English from the Vulgate, from the Latin. Um, and so my my only preaching point in any of this meandering discourse on the subtleties of the Bible is that, that I've always experienced gentile as this like a proper noun, you know, like these are the Gentiles. Um, and ethnos, according to our, my friends, our friends on Facebook, Adrienne and, and Bridget, um, mean pretty broadly still, I think, non-Jewish, non-Judean people. Um, and so I don't know how much that changes, like the how we read it. Um, the gift of the Holy Spirit has been poured out even on the Gentiles. Um, I, I think that it... I heard more of an emphasis with this understanding that even the Holy Spirit was poured out on everybody else versus this, like, I mean, it feels kind of racialized. That's the thing that I, I put on Facebook about it, um, that the Gentile, like, an unnecessary racialization of people. Yeah. Um, and, I, I, like, I think the issue is Race as a construct, social construct that we live with in the 21st century, um, and what 
I'm afraid that I'm reading too much racial stuff back into this word that gets translated as a proper noun that, that, mm. that strikes me as racial that wasn't there, mm. that's not there originally. That's the fear. That's, that's what I wonder about and don't have a great answer for. And mm. even though I emailed the librarians at JKM Library in Chicago, and they gave me my EBSCO alumni login, which you can all get. If you're an alumni of the Lutheran School of Theology at Chicago, Matt, you can always email what? Barry, and Barry will send you a login for EBSCO so you can search uh, the religious the, uh, ATLA uh, databases. Wow. Um, and I didn't go super deep into that, but I couldn't find anything immediately on, on what I was looking for. But, yeah, that's not going to help you preach, but... A thing that this text made me be curious about was what who are the Gentiles and and how does that how does if you're looking for a thesis to write uh, uh, who are the Gentiles and how does our current racial understanding of 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 race affect our understanding of them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way to go on a deep dive with uh, just just this one little Greek word there. I think it's super interesting, like, that idea of Gentiles, like, I mean, it, it, like, the way that you describe it, I mean, coming through the Vulgate, like, it, like, it must develop over time. It starts as ethnos, and then it develops over 2,000 years into this word that now we see printed in our English Bible. And that's a really interesting history, right? This idea that, like, this thing that we think is a pretty clearly defined category of people, like, means all these things in our head may not be quite that thing uh, 2,000 years ago. I mean, sort of the us-them piece is there, but there's a lot of complexity to it that's not there. Um, and then you bring out, like, yeah, like, what do we read back into it? And, of course, like, we're always going to read into it because that's what we do when we preach in the present day. Um, but to be aware of some of those things, fascinating. Fascinating deep dive. I'm sure somebody's written a dissertation on it, but... Right. I mean, they have to. I felt like it was going to immediately come up with. <laughs> yeah. I was so excited when Barry emailed me back. Barry Hopkins emailed me back immediately with the thing. I was like, oh, well, this will give me my answer right away. And yeah. then you have to like, it turns out research is work. I don't know. I guess you need a librarian. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think a way, one of the unstated assumptions that I think I've had about Gentiles is that I've assumed that they're the people who are going to be Christian or are Christian, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I think maybe a way to think about it, right, is we read this: the it, uh, the Holy Spirit is poured out. E, uh, pour, the Holy Spirit is poured out even on the Gentiles. Um, maybe that's a more expansive thing to hear that the Holy Spirit might have been poured out on not just the people who are going to end up being Christian, right, but the people who are going to end up being Muslim or, um, you know, even the the Zoroastrians. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. So see that Holy Spirit there, I think, as like the water. Who can withhold the water? Who can withhold the Holy Spirit? Fascinating. Well done, researcher. We look forward to you continuing to explore the meaning of Gentiles over the next I did want to say, Matt, I'm going on a three-year sabbatical, and when I return from the pod, to the podcast, I will have a published work. Good. <laughs> good, good. Uh, but we're in Hope John, Matt. We're in John, your favorite book. My favorite. Bible. We can't. I'm so excited. In just a couple of weeks, Matt, we get to go back to Mark, and things are going to pick up very much so, very quickly. Uh, instead, John is teaching, and it's great teaching. You know, it's just teaching after teaching. Jesus said to his disciples, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Oh, it turns, it's so Johnny. 
Just as I have kept my Father's commandment and abide in His love, I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And here's the part that I think is most preachable. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I'm giving you these commandments so that you may love one another. Um, we start, you know, with all of the abide stuff, which can be really fruitful, but can also be confusing and repetitive. Um, my suggestions here, I've got one note wrote by Molina, uh, the social scientist commentary that I like to use, uh, make a point of saying that friends, um, friends is a concept that we know has uh, the way that you and I are friends, Matt, is a relatively new concept. Uh, and that the ancient Near East, uh, they're using friends here to indicate that these people are part of their new family group. Um, and so it's kind of a radical relationship that's been built here, not just like, I'm friends, you know, with these people, uh, but don't have obligations to them. Um, we've now got family obligations to one another. And the other thing that I'd add is that if I were preaching this week, which I'm not, um, in talking, uh, speaking in tongues, uh, strange stuff, love one another as I loved you, no one has greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Uh, you know, I mean, that's crazy talk. And it's crazy talk because he's talking about that's the kind of that is the kind of love you should have for your family in the ancient Near East. Um, but he's there's this radical thing that's happening here. Um, and that's Jesus might as well be speaking in tongues. Hey man, good stuff on friends. I like that. So you're telling me it's not like a Facebook friend. It's more click. like the TV show Friends. You live oh, together. Oh, I see. You 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 askew labor in order to commit to the life of together of the friend group, right? right? You go into massive amounts of debt so that one you may live together. You sacrifice everything sense. for the friend group. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, got it, got it. So the Rembrandts will be on today's <laughs> playlist. Got it. I like Perfect. it. There you go. Yeah, I like that that radicalizes a little bit, too, because all of these, um, so many of these words, you've got love, joy, friends, like you could do just, it's just peace and love, man. Like you could just live, laugh, do less love. Live, <laughs> In this house, we live, <laughs> laugh, love. Uh, you, but I like that, you know, that radicalizes it, right? Mm -hmm. Like that, it's a new family group. Jesus uh, does not say live, laugh, love. He says, uh, live, die, uh, then you can laugh, love. Yeah, he mixes death can in there. We, can we make some new some new ones, like mm -hmm. little cursive things to put on the to put on your wall? Die, give up your cloak uh, <laughs> for the neighbor. Um, speak in tongues. I come, I come with a sword. <laughs> yes, bear a sword, then voluntarily die, and uh, laugh. Incredible, incredible stuff. Well, what uh, what do we listen to? Well, Matt, when we are talking about speaking in tongues uh, over the past, I don't know, nine months, um, 
been listening to so much Talking Heads, and no group, uh, I think, more personifies what it means to speak in tongues, especially on their live album and documentary called Stop Making Sense, uh, which, gosh, I just wish there was a track that was a title track. There's not a Stop Making Sense track. Uh, The whole thing is fantastic. You should watch it. Um, But I'm going to put Take Me to the River, which is a beautiful song in of itself and speaks to uh, withholding the water here and speaking in tongues. Uh, Talking heads, stop making sense. That's what Jesus saying this week amazing you're in a talking heads deep dive here oh man i love the heads these days i mean to be to to be really clear um uh oh gosh i'm not remembering things um what's his name the lead singer but david byrne david byrne i don't think he's a good person um but what a band what have I talked about? Have I talked about how much of a terrible person David Byrne is? It's probably because he's autistic and un- undiagnosed, like mm. autism and stuff. But like, there are horrible stories of being in band with him. Of uh, of what's your name, the drummer? They recorded an album like in the Bahamas, um, and like three a.m. She gets a phone call from the from the producers, like, "Hey, uh, just wanted to, you know, David's in here with Brian Eno re-recording your drum part. If you wanted to, like." <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so he'd sneak back and like re-record your parts um, for the for the album tracks. Uh, you'd have an album come out, and all the songs would be credited to David Byrne and Brian Enos, even though you wrote them. And uh, you don't get any any of the points on that on like the backside or whatever uh, or the incredible. royalties. Um, cool dude, cool dude, but wow. incredible. My, <laughs> I am bummed we did not get to see. Uh, David Byrne at Coachella because he was there with uh, with uh, with St. Vincent. Yeah, because they're super friendly and do stuff together. Yeah, yeah. I'm also going to throw on uh, with a little help from my friends, uh, and I'm going to do the Joe Cocker version because uh, nice. I, I I will get nostalgic about watching the Wonder Years. Well done. I like it. Um, I've got. Reading Acts, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. So, of course, I have to think of R.E.M. Fall on Me. Mm. I'm thinking of a song about falling. That's what I'm going with. Fall mm-hmm. on me. Uh, and then, uh, you know, you just you need some songs about joy. So I feel like this would go on a playlist with Joe Cocker. Three Dog Night, mm-hmm. jo- Joy. Three Dog Night's Joy. Uh, and then Stevie Ray Vaughan's Pride and Joy. So there we go. Some halfway decent songs about joy. That's halfway decent. I feel like those songs might come up on my, my XM station called Classic Vinyl. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, it's been real. Real vinyl.